You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. And it's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing, my man? I'm good, bro. How are you doing, man? Your birthday was just a few days ago, bro. How are you feeling? Yes, sir. Got to celebrate with the fam, with some friends. It was cool. Nice little birthday. So, yeah, just chilled. Hang, hung out with the people I love and... It's pretty much how it goes. Hey, that's what it's all about, right? Yes, sir. Appreciate the shout out on uh, our social media. Just for you guys that know, it's not me that posted. <laughs> a lot of people are like, hey, you posted your own shit on there? I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, maybe, yes, maybe. Yes, yes, <laughs> nah, you, appreciate this shout out. Nah, um, But let's get into it because yesterday, Thursday, we're coming out with a little later episode because... This Thursday was so significant in one of our favorite leagues, and that is the NBA, because we had one of the more monumental days in the NBA, and that is the NBA trade deadline that just happened. Normally around this day, there's stars getting traded left and right, super teams being built. Not as crazy this year, but there was still some uh, crazy trades that did go down, and we're here to talk about it. So let's get into it first of all i don't know if it was the nba trade deadline or the orlando magic trade deadline with the (laughs) amount of trades that they made first of all the big one was them trading nikola vucevic alfaru kaminu to the bulls for wendell carter jr Otto porter jr and two first round picks which are top five protected core what was your initial reactions on this trade i didn't even know about this trade until like um until later on, I saw that uh, Aaron Gordon had gotten dealt off and Evan Fournay had got dealt off too. And so I had seen this in uh, the In Case You Missed It section of Twitter where it mentioned like they dealt off uh, Vucevic and Al Farouk to the Bulls. And I was like, man, I was kind of surprised that the Bulls will be the team that would be able to strike and get uh, Vucevic. But hey, he fits a need because they definitely needed a, a legitimate big man as far as uh, center wise, but also he's a great scoring option. And he will definitely lessen the load off of the shoulders of Zach Levine. And I was just talking about it with somebody I know. I was like, look, man, like the Bulls, they're trying to become a legitimate playoff team and not just a legitimate playoff team. They're trying to maybe even do something come postseason time because you got Zach Levine now, an all-star. You got Vucevic, two-time all-star, I believe. And then you got a bunch of guys around them that are young, spritled guys that can contribute to a, a good culture and i just feel like the bulls are slowly but surely trying to build something after it's been like a few years or so since they had like a team like with derrick rose carlos boozer joaquin noah lou all dang like it's been a while since the bulls have been you know that sort of team that not only is making the playoffs but you think could potentially try to go ahead and uh get out of the east and represent in the nba finals 
Yeah, and like you mentioned, we had Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark on the move to the Denver Nuggets for Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, and a first-round pick. And then Evan Fournier went to the Celtics for Jeff Teagan, two first-round picks. So, I mean, the Magic, that's their top three players right there, cleaning house. And I they've I think they're finally giving up on trying to get that eighth seed every single year <laughs> and finally hit the rebuild button. But, yeah, for the Bulls, very surprising that they were the ones – that emerged to get Nikola Vucevic, but I like it a lot. Get a all-star alongside Zach Levine. Still have Laurie Markkinen. You still have Kobe White. So right now they're 10th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they could be making noise. I wouldn't see, see, say they're contenders, but I can, they can definitely give those top seeds a run for their money come playoff time. And then the Nuggets got Aaron Gordon. Uh, he was always rumored, I think, for the past like two years, he's been rumored yes. around the trade yes. deadline yes. Yes. Uh, just because – Magic's really didn't know what they had with him. And I think they finally said, all right, if we're getting rid of Vucevic, we're getting rid of Aaron Gordon as well, too. And then Evan Fournier, he's a walking bucket when healthy, but that's the biggest thing is when healthy. And I think outside of these trades, the biggest trade of the day was the Miami Heat getting Victor Oladipo and the Rockets getting Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek in a 2022 pick swap. You think uh, Oladipo would cost a lot more, but it seems like the Heat fleeced them. What were your thoughts on this one? Well, because like this trade happened a little after noon. So this like, happened after the quote unquote yeah, deadline. So like, uh, quote unquote the deadline yeah and uh worldwide wolf said the same thing i was like yeah uh this deadline stuff yeah it, it, it's kind of a little bit ambiguity about like whether it's straight at three o'clock because there were trades still happening like 315 320 330 but um but nah this was probably like you said like one of the the highlights of the trade deadline victor oladipo going to the heat for avery rally kelly olenic 2022 pick swap my initial thought was wow, the Miami Heat didn't have to give up a Duncan Robinson, didn't have to give up a Precious, didn't have to even give up Tyler Hero. You would have thought Tyler Hero had to be somewhere in this if, if this was going to be the trade that the Rockets went ahead and pulled. But somehow Pat Riley was able to negotiate and finesse the living daylights out of this Houston Rockets franchise and got Victor Oladipo to pair up with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, and you still got Duncan Robinson, you still got Kendrick Nunn, and you still got Tyler Hero. This team is still stacked, Kush, and they they still have the same sort of team they had that went all the way to the NBA Finals, and now you add Victor Oladipo into this mix, a guy who, by the way, is a 20-point scorer now on his third team in just one season. Yeah, crazy that that trade went down and for all you kids out there that are missing uh their deadlines for your essays or whatever this goes to prove always hit your teachers and professors up because they will take it and good things happen for people that wait you know they must have had an extension or something because like literally it was way past three and these guys are able to get this trade off it's crazy well i think i think what it is is they have to be on the phones with the league or with each other before that 3 p.m deadline so i mean they could still be having a conversation right now a trade right, right. go down i guess exactly exactly but the the wild thing was is that when you look at what the rockets did as far as the james harden trade right picking up oladipo instead of karis levert which right. was a big surprise to a lot of people because you would have thought karis levert he's on a team-friendly deal he's still got a you know a lot of potential in him that you know you still are waiting to see blossom out and to not pick him up and decide to go with Oladipo, who is on an expiring contract, 
and you knew at some point the Rockets were going to have to try to maybe try to uh, negotiate a trade or try to figure out a contract extension with him. And unfortunately, they had to go ahead and trade him. But if they would have picked up Karis LeVert, at least trading James Harden to Rockets fans would have been justifiable in the sense of, okay, we got a nice young guy back. And then also on top of that, we might not have even been in the situation had the Rockets not been begging to get uh, an extra point guard from the 76ers. And they could have potentially had Ben Simmons. Right. They could have had Ben Simmons and James Harden could be in a Philadelphia 76ers jersey right now. Like that, that to me was probably the most interesting thing. But I think what it really was and it boiled down to was that I don't know how much they really wanted to negotiate with their formal GM, Daryl Morey. So I get that and I get, you know, being the team that I guess is trying to PR stunt and sell off the fact of, Hey, you're a potential free agent or you're a disgruntled star. We will, you know, honor uh, your contract or honor you by sending you to the place that you want to be. If things don't work out here in Houston, but that's just straight up PR for me because the one of the beat writers were saying that as far as like, he tweeted out something similar to like, Oh, well, Oladipo wanted to go to the heat anyway, so this worked out really good for him and the and the Rockets were able to, you know, allow him to go to a team that is still vying for a championship. But I'm like, how does that help you as the Houston Rockets? Like you don't have any sort of young talent, young star. I mean, maybe you could say Kevin Porter, but you know, there's still the jury's still out about that. But it would have been nice to at least have gotten like Karis LeVert or, you know, a, a, a Duncan Robinson, a Kendrick Nunn, or even a Tyler Hero back for this trade but they don't get anything except you know some role players and a pick swap i'm like that's tough man that's tough and if you're a houston rockets fan right now i know you're gonna be looking back on it you're gonna be watching that old old those old playoff games with chris paul and you're wondering why did we not get to the finals that year yeah could have been way different um way different Next, we had the Nuggets trading for JaVale McGee from the Cleveland Cavaliers, sending Isaiah Hartenstein and two second future second round picks. Um, what were your thoughts on this one? I feel like uh, JaVale McGee, if you look at how he first started with the Nuggets to now this man is making his return back to the Nuggets, completely different player, completely different career. He now has three NBA championships. Let me say it louder. He has three NBA championships, y'all. JaVale McGee is an NBA champion returning to a Denver Nuggets team that, oh, by the way, made it to the Western Conference Finals last season and are a budding team that want to make it to the NBA Finals this year. So, the, JaVel McGee provides he's not that 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 Shaq to the Fools player don't get me wrong his IQ is still you know up and down but he does provide you with that veteran leadership he does provide you with that presence and he's going to play his heart out on both sides of the court whether it's offense or defense and he's just a great hustle player that's one of the guys that I feel like the Lakers definitely are I don't want to say regret but maybe they are hindsight 2020. They might've been feeling like, man, we wish we had JaVel McGee back still on the squad because he just would provide so many great minutes for them. And I feel like he'll do the same thing in Denver because everywhere he's gone, he has been getting better or he's provided some level of presence um, as a veteran now in the NBA. Yeah, definitely a good move for them for a team that needed defense. Next, we have the Portland Trailblazers, one of the bigger ones, getting Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood going to the Raptors. 
feel like this is a very good solid trade for the Blazers. The only question is during crunch time now, uh, you got Dane and CJ, you got Norman Powell, you got Nurkic, who announced on Twitter that he's back from injury after he fractured his wrist. And then also you still got Robert Covington and Norman Powell. So I'll be like, there's only going to be able to be five guys on the court. So you got a lot of different options that you can throw out as far as defensive wise. And it's going to be a great problem to have for Terry Stotts and this Portland Trail Blazers coaching staff on who to put in as far as Powell or Covington or, you know, what you should do as far as like rotating the lineups because Portland has depth. And I feel like this is the year where they got to get somewhat close to justify them rolling the ball back out with the same sort of guys. But it's, it's just like you could definitely tell that Portland are trying to do everything they can with the resources and the, uh, the, the assets that they have in order to try to provide, you know, something to tell Damian Lillard, their franchise player, like, look, we're trying to get you in the position to win a championship or compete for a championship. So that's, that's what, that's all you want to see. Yeah. And I, it's crazy because Norman Powell, we were bashing on him. I think a lot of people were bashing on him in the beginning of the season because he was not producing. And then lo and right. I think probably a week after we had that talk on this podcast, he t- started turning it up. And Norman Powell, I mean, if anything, the Raptors were the happiest about that because his trade value skyrocketed because I don't even know if they'd get to those guys if uh, he's still struggling. So I, I definitely did get for the Trailblazers and the Raptors in D2. Here's a crazy fact. That Gary Trent Sr. got traded in his third season with the Portland Trailblazers after 41 games into the his third season. Gary Trent Jr., his son, got traded from the Portland Trailblazers in his third season, 41 games into his third season. <laughs> so crazy, crazy, crazy that father-son got traded. Same, same exact timeline. Next up, we had a three-team trade with the 76ers, the Thunder, and the Knicks. We had George Hill and Ignis Brasdinkas uh, got traded to the 76ers. The Thunder got Tony Bradley, Austin Rivers, two second-round picks, and the Knicks got Terrence Ferguson. So a smaller trade, but sometimes these small trades are the ones that, you know, you, they help teams out. Yeah, and I feel like there were a lot of – I saw a lot of people on Twitter, like – mocking the 76ers because they were trying to go after Kyle Lowry and they had to settle for George Hill. But I'm like, hey, you get you you try to move and get what you want to get. And then also I saw like uh, people retweeting uh, Joel Embiid's tweet about Tony Bradley, about how he's he, he should be the face of a franchise or something like that. And immediately he gets dealt to another team. But uh, I guess like um, out of all three of these teams, I, I feel like the team that probably feels like they could have you know, maybe gotten a little bit more out of this with, with maybe the Knicks, but they had to, you know, sell for, you know, a pretty solid high flyer in Terrence Ferguson, but maybe uh, a guy who still has a little bit of ways to go as far as um, his NBA potential. But overall, I feel like the Knicks, I mean, the Thunder, excuse me, they did what they, they came to do. They came to get some picks. Sam <laughs> Presti again. strikes again. They got there. They got what they wanted. They got some second round picks to add to their total. What is it? Like 34 picks now? In the next seven years, 34 picks, 17 first rounders, 17 second rounders. Sam Presti building up those assets, man. He's already got those assets already. And he's like, and the greatest thing about it is like you can use that to draft players. You can use that to potentially trade four star players. That's the great thing about it is like you got all these assets to potentially do something with. The only thing that would suck is if you don't, if you flame out and don't get any sort of star player with them. Yeah, it's it's crazy what 
Sam Presti and the Thunder are doing. And then we had another trade, which was the Clippers and the Hawks. The Clippers got Rajon Rondo and the Hawks got Lou Williams and two second round picks. What you think about this one, Kush? I, I want to hear about your thoughts on this one for real. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I knew Lou Williams was getting going to get dealt. But and Rajon Rondo was a guy that the Clippers were looking for uh, mm-hmm. to get that mid-level exception. But they got Serge Ibaka instead. Um, and I just Rajon Rondo's not having a great season, probably one of his worst seasons of his career right now with the Hawks. But I've been noticing a lot of Clipper fans on Twitter are completely bashing this and they're shutting it down. Obviously, I get Lou Williams is a fan favorite. Um, The two second round picks were a little questionable because I don't know why they (laughs) sent the two second round picks. But the thing that the Clippers did have was 10 second round picks at their resource. So that was good for the Clippers. But I I think only time will tell with this because we hear about playoff Rondo. We hear about all that stuff and how much of a difference. And the guy shot... 40% 40% from three-pointers in the bubble last year for the Lakers helping them win the championship. I don't know if he's going to repeat that performance mm-hmm. and let alone it's the Clippers and nice things don't happen to the Clippers. So I don't <laughs> see that happening to them, but um, it, it definitely sucks seeing Lou Williams, you know, get traded, but I, I like it. I, I, I like Rajon Rondo just because we needed a facilitator. We need a guy with veteran leadership, a guy who can hold superstars accountable, which I think is a big thing. Chemistry isn't that big of a thing for the Clippers this year from what we noticed from last year, but you never know. Come playoff time is someone like Paul George is struggling, you know, is he just going to Rondo up? is yeah, there to yeah. hold a superstars accountable. So I, I definitely like the addition. I think a new change of scenery, just because I don't think the Atlanta Hawks system fit Rondo with Trey Young there. And then uh, Chris Dunn, who was injured most of the season, but they have Chris Dunn there as well. So, and they're really uh, heavy on forwards with Bogdanovich, Gallinari, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. So, I mean, they, they had a lot of players. I just don't think Rondo was a part of their future. So I think a new scenery for Rondo where he can facilitate coming off the bench and he can take pressure off of Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard. Because the biggest thing I've noticed is Paul George is playing a lot of pick and roll and he's playing a lot of ISO and trying to set up t- for teammates outside, which is takes a toll on him. And Kawhi does the same thing too, where he'll get to a spot in the mid range. But it's like, those guys aren't meant for that. Yes, they are. They've become better playmakers, but that's not who they are. They're better when they're two way players, when they're either spotting up or creating shots for themselves and giving it all on their defensive end. So now having a facilitator like Rondo, who definitely takes the pressure off those guys. And then you add him to Serge Ibaka, who is a stretch big, who can protect the paint. And then Zubak, who, is at the rim at all times. So I, I personally like a trade sucking Lou Williams go. As I said, I thought we would have gotten more for Lou Williams because the Lonzo ball was a big person on the Clippers radar on, on a lot of play, people's radars. But I really thought the Clippers had a chance to get Lonzo ball. But I mean, Hey, a lot of fans, a lot of people were saying that the Clippers need a facilitator. They got their facilitators. Now they're complaining. I don't see any problems with this right now. Only time will tell just because he's struggling this season. But I think he turns things around for the Clippers. And hopefully, hopefully the Clippers get playoff Rondo on their side. Hey, all I know is, is that the Clippers got playoff Rondo with playoff P. So that'll be something to see. And then we got Lou Williams, Lemon Pepper Lou. You got a limited access to Atlanta City now. He's like, yo. Magic City, baby. You're right there, Magic City. So so I feel like, like you said, it's a good even trade-off, and I feel like both teams got what they wanted because the Hawks, by the way, I I think I saw uh, uh, Woj mention 
they they have one of the lowest they're one of the worst teams as far as bench scoring so i mean who better to get than a former six man of the year lou williams exactly. who can just light it up instantly and is a microwave off the bench so that's definitely going to help them uh going forward hopefully this season because they are going to need depth if they're going to be a legitimate playoff team yeah, definitely going to miss Lou Williams, given especially since he was that kind of bridge between that Lob City transition to where they're at right now, and he still kept them so relevant as the underground goat is what we call them, call him. So, I mean, definitely tough seeing him go, especially since he said he wants to finish his career as a Clipper. He doesn't want to play for anybody else. So, But, I mean, he does go home to Atlanta, so we'll, we'll see. I, I wish nothing but the best for Lou Williams, and I'm excited to see what Rondo does with this Clippers team. Next up, we had the Bulls and the Celtics, a little underrated one, kind of like the George Hill one, but the Bulls got Daniel Theis for the Celtics uh, getting Mo Wagner because there was a trade before between the Bulls and the Wizards. Daniel Theis, I kind of I like this one just because a guy who can stretch the floor, protect the rim behind Vucevic uh, can, you know, doesn't mean you have to give Vucevic so many minutes like he's their right, only exactly. big man because exactly. to be honest they changed they traded uh Daniel Gafford so it's like they really don't have any bigs in that lineup Cornette is gone as well too so it's a good thing that the Bulls uh got Daniel Thice a great backup big for Vucevic yeah it's a great thing for the Bulls but it's a terrible thing for if you're for the Celtics I mean you, you get where pretty much the only guy who is able to play in the both power forward and center majority he's able to play center so now you don't really have any sort of uh guy there to help as far as alleviate minutes of robert williams and come playoff time robert williams is not about to play no 40 minutes in, in the playoffs he's not about to average 40 minutes so unless they make a move in the buyout you know that's what i'm uh, you know the celtics didn't do too well and i'm getting to this a little bit later but overall i feel like they are definitely not willing to give up a whole lot as far as trading wise so i'm they're going to be looking to get some money from the buyout market so um but this one i thought was a little bit of a head scratcher for me as far as them trading down so i was immediately thinking maybe it had to deal with the salary cap or maybe they just didn't feel like paying them or the first thing the first thing when i saw this was uh i don't know if you caught the buck celtics game on oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. where daniel thice hit missed that wide open game winner in that corner i said does that have it i was like if he makes that does that trade go down because i mean it's a legitimate question if he makes that three-pointer gets him another win does that trade go down i mean it reminds me of uh what was it Le- lebron hits that game winner against the minnesota timberwolves and then the next day everybody's getting traded yeah. like isaiah thomas gone like all these different dudes was just gone the next day it was crazy and then we had a couple other trades that did not happen on Thursday, happened a little before, but I still think are very uh, valuable trades for these teams. And the first one was a three-team trade with the Bucks, Rockets, and Suns. The Bucks got P.J. Tucker, uh, Karut, and a 2022 first-round pick. Uh, the Rockets got D.J. Wilson, D.J. Augustine, 2023 first-round pick, and a 2021 pick swap. And the Suns just out of nowhere coming and getting Tory Craig, <laughs> who so far has played really well for mm-hmm. the Suns. So mm-hmm. what was your thoughts on this trade? I mean, pretty much just like you said, P.J. Tucker, he's a great 3 and D guy. He's a guy who you love as far as defense and, that, and just sits in that corner offensively. So, I mean, you get a shooter for Giannis to operate with on the offensive end. And then defensively, this dude is tough as nails. He's going to definitely lay his life on the line for you. And pretty much as long as you don't step on the shoes, he's going to do whatever he can to help you win games. They said so. they, said they had to get a U-Haul just for his shoe collection. <laughs> 
And then, like you said, Tory Craig for the Suns, man. I mean, that's a really sneaky good deal for them. So they're going to take that and run with it. But once again, I mean, you look at what the Rockets are getting, and it's just like you just scratch your head. Like, I mean, pick swap with with the Bucks. This team is going to be in the playoffs. Like, it's going to be a late first round pick. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I didn't really understand it, but yeah, I think. I I don't know if I'm crazy or what it is, but I think this is a crazy good. First of all, the Bucks got PJ Tucker for damn near nothing, and the fact that they got PJ Tucker, I just think he is a wonderful, perfect fit for Giannis. So much so that I went to Vegas last week uh, with some of my boys, and I actually put money on the Bucks to win it all after that trade. I don't know <laughs> if I was just riding high on that, but I was like, PJ Tucker, he's the needle mover. He's gonna Dude, get him over is. the hump. But is. honestly, I I mean I. I know I was a little delusional at the time when I did that, but at the same time, like looking back on it's it, it's not PJ, too delusional. Yeah, TJ Tucker can help this team out when I mean, like you said, sitting in the corner, the guy can literally guard the one through five, and he's played big man for the Rockets all of last season, damn near. So definitely a great, great get for uh the Bucks. And then the last one we had a couple days ago was the Heat trading for Trevor Ariza, and they shipped out Myers Leonard and a second-round pick, and then Myers Leonard ended up getting waived because of his off-the-court stuff that he was doing. So, I mean... Uh, lesson of the day, kids. Be careful when you are on Twitch. You, you yeah. Make sure that you uh, know that you're streaming and that people are watching you because, bro, you might not know what's going to come out of your mouth, but, bro, right. know, people are recording you at all times. Especially when you're playing Call of Duty. That's a dangerous game. Call That's of Duty. And... That's yeah. a dangerous game. Because you, you know how heated mind. those lobbies begin. <laughs> Especially. But, yeah. But, so, oh, yeah. One more trade we also had was the Dallas Mavericks getting J.J. Redick and Nico Melli for the Pelicans to uh, get James Johnson, Wes Windu and a second round pick. I felt like I'm, I immediately was like, yo, Luca got a shooter. <laughs> Luca got himself a shooter over here in JJ Reddick. But like, this was a good move because one of the biggest things that the Mavericks have been struggling with, Kush, has been three point shooting. These dudes have struggled from beyond the arc and they've had spurts where they've looked like one of the best three point shooting teams in the league, but they've had other spurts where it's like, yo, what, what is going on here? They cannot hit a shot. I think this also takes pressure off of the likes of like um, uh, Hardaway. Yeah, yeah. Josh Richardson as well. You didn't even have to uh, utilize him in this trade. So I feel like getting J.J. Redick, a veteran guy, a guy who's been to the postseason, a guy who Luca is going to absolutely love being on this team. So he can play make with him. He could just be sitting on in the on the three-point line. And I feel like this is going to be a good a good get for the Mavericks as they try to make their playoff push. Yeah, I think this was a underrated trade just because J.J. Redick wasn't really part of that rotation anymore for the Pelicans. Uh, and you definitely see the loss of Steph Curry or Seth Curry, sorry, going to <laughs> the Sixers and how much Luka loved him. So it's kind of I'm not saying it's filling the void of Seth Curry, but it's definitely a sharpshooter who can come off screens, off dribbles and make it life hell for a defender trying to guard him off ball. And no then doubt, Nico Melli, no Nico Melli, another stretch big. For the Pelicans, though, I mean, I get J.J. Redick wasn't really a part of your rotation, but I just don't get it. I feel like Stan Van Gundy and this team, I don't even know Stan Van Gundy his, was his the right hiring. Doesn't, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. His system does not fit in with the And the thing is, is they have so many players that – 
are just in the paint. That paint is so clogged with Zion, with Brandon Ingram, with Steven Adams. And then you got to have guys like Eric Bledsoe. Lonzo has definitely stepped it up from shooting threes, which has been beneficial for them. But I mean, Bledsoe and I mean, they just got rid of two other shooters on their team when they need to space the floor more. And they're actually kind of shrinking it with James Johnson and Wes and one do. So I, Pelicans are a head scratcher. I had high hopes for them this season, but me too. I I wouldn't, I honestly would not be surprised if Stan Van Gundy is not their head coach next season, just because I don't see the fit. I really do not see the fit. And the fact that these were the guys that were traded, like I I honestly thought it would have been, like we said, Lonzo or even Steven Adams. I thought he would have been shipped out too. Or Eric Bledsoe. Like one, I feel like they need to have dumped either Lonzo or Eric Bledsoe, but because initially signing them didn't make any sense to me. I mean, like I get like you, you had to make the trade, you know, in order to get rid of Drew Holiday, but then you picked up Bo George Hill and Eric Bledsoe. I felt like you should have tried to do something there so that you could at least, you know, get rid of one of those guys. And especially now, like, you don't know if you're going to even re-sign Lonzo because he, he's going to uh, be asking for a lot. He's going to be asking for a lot of money because he's had a really good, good bounce back season. So, um, it's, which it's is another really, reason why I thought he was getting traded. Exactly. So I felt like you get something for him instead of just allowing him to walk in free agency and be able to, you know, utilize, you know, it's always good to trade a guy when he's playing well, especially when he's playing, when he's had such a revive. If you would have said like Lonzo ball was like getting calls from several different teams, like a few years ago, everybody would have been laughing, you <laughs> laughing at you. Like, are you serious? Like he can't shoot. Like, what are you talking about? But like, he's definitely revitalized his career and turned things around. And I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not saying that he's lived up to being the second overall pick, but I'm just saying that he's definitely starting to show those glimpses and flashes of what everybody was talking about when he got drafted. Yeah, for sure. That was pretty much all the notable trades from trade deadline. And let's talk about some winning and losing teams from the trade deadline. Let's start with obviously winners. Corey, which team or teams do you think won? Biggest winner for me, the Heat getting that last second trade to get Victor Oladipo. I feel like that trade right there changes the absolute momentum of their franchise as far as going into the second half of the season, going into this playoff push, because you look at what they gave up. The fact, like I said, you didn't have to get rid of Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, or Tyler Hero, and you dump off Avery Bradley, who's a nice, you know, 3 and D type player, but let's face facts. I mean, he's he's, he's not as good as he used to be. Kelly O'Lennon, who I feel like is kind of on the down tier of his career at this time, and then only a pick swap. I mean, that was that's amazing. That's amazing that you were able to only give that all that up and you were able to get Victor Oladipo, a guy who straight inserts himself and is a 20 point potential scorer with this team. And the key factor I feel of whether or not this is going to work for them is the chemistry between Oladipo, Butler, and, and, and the main guys who have already been with the Heat. Like, how does Victor Oladipo, is he going to be able to fit in with this Heat culture and be able to be a guy who is an asset instead of a, a you know, a negative guy in the locker room? I feel like that's the, the one key factor. And I think he needs to buy in and buy in quickly. And this will really turn heads and the Heat will get right back to where they were and get right back on that momentum that they had um, going into the bubble last year. Yeah, for me, I I got the heat. You pretty much summed it up, getting another all-star caliber player, adding to how hot they're getting this past month. And, I mean, 
they're going to be banging with those top teams in the East. And then I got two other teams. I got the Bulls and I got the Nuggets. The Bulls are, we pretty much explained it, getting Vucevic, another all-star to pair with Zach Levine, Daniel Theis, who's a solid center. But the thing with the Bulls is these trades definitely took them out of the 2021 free agency and maybe even the 2022 free agency. But now they're definitely a playoff team that may scare some of those top seeds um, if they're matched up against them. And then the Nuggets, like I mentioned, they need a defensive very badly, losing Jeremy Grant in free agency. And if especially in the paint and on the wing. And they did just that by getting Aaron Gordon, who can get it done on both sides of the ball. And then JaVale McGee, who can come off the bench, can be that rebounding big, who can uh, pr- uh, protect the paint. And at the same time, he's a big man who you could play alongside Jokic, which is the yes. biggest thing as yes. well, too. Thank you, thank you. Because I think in this league, yeah, we talk about the guards and everything, but we talk about big men who can stretch the floor, who can play alongside other big men. Because if you know, if you win the rebounding battle, you're pretty much going to win the game. So having two bigs on the floor is so, so crucial. But then again, you can't be clogging the paint. So having a guy like Jokic who can spread the floor and who is a facilitator that he is, and then adding a guy like JaVale McGee who can play that prototypical uh, banging down low big man. So I think like as great as the Aaron Gordon trade was for them, I think the JaVale McGee was equally as great of a trade. So Nuggets are definitely going to be looking uh, to get those top four, top three seed in the Western Conference, and it'll be definitely interesting uh, in the and Western Conference Especially you look now. at the playoffs, right? If you match up against a team like uh, the, the top seed Utah Jazz, right? You have somebody who can go toe-to-toe with Rudy Gobert and JaVel McGee, and then you still have Jokic. So that way you still have a guy who can facilitate on the outside and still be able to knock down shots as well. And like whether you the jazz have to pick their poison does Gobert guard mcgee or does he try to go toe-to-toe with Jokic? so it's not just all on Jokic's shoulders to have to battle because last playoffs the reason that it went so much to seven was because from the majority of the part of that series Jokic was struggling because he was going toe-to-toe with Gobert, and Gobert was holding his own for the most part of the series you know so i feel like that that's gonna alleviate a lot of the pressure if they run into the utah jazz come playoff time yeah for sure Let's talk about some losers, Corey. What team or teams do you have as a loser? Uh, we got we have to say uh, the Rockets are the biggest losers of this uh, trade deadline because the fact that you traded Oladipo and you didn't get any sort of potential star name. You don't even have to get a star name back. You just had to get someone to at least give someone hope with to potential. the potential. Yes, someone with some level of potential. Like you can see the potential in a guy like a Tyler Hero, in a Kendrick Nunn, in a Duncan Robinson. I mean, Duncan Robinson might not be a star necessarily or an all-star, but he's at least a shooter and a young face that you can be like, okay, this guy, we've seen what he did in the bubble. We've seen him. he's done his all his entire career. At least you bring him in and that would be like a big, you know, guy that you can utilize and uh, have to, to show face. But again, like you don't know what the direction of this franchise is heading. And the crazy thing is that I just saw like on Twitter that John Wall is staying and they're not negotiating any sort of buyout. So you got John Wall as the only lone star of this team. And you got a bunch of guys who have potential or are role players. And there's really no identity set going forward with this team. And I'm like, and the funny thing is, is that 
I'm looking back and I'm remembering all those people that were talking about James Harden and how he should have just stuck it out with this team. I'm like, y'all, would y'all have stuck it out with this franchise? Please be honest. Would y'all have stuck it out with this franchise and this team at the start of the season if this is what you knew was going to happen? Exactly. So I'm like, James Harden has been vindicated. He's been justified. And the, the, the front office of the Rockets absolutely is going to be trying to figure out a way that they can try to sell something to the fan base and try to sell something to the NBA as far as like, okay, we know we're not a good team, but let's hope that we can get a top seat, a top draft pick because we've seen a lot of these, uh, these young cats that are potentially going to be in the uh, upcoming 2021 NBA draft. And there's a lot of guys, especially at the top spots that could potentially be franchise changing players. So that's the, that's the only hope that you have. But as far as currently here right now, not looking into the future, not looking at the past, right here right now, the Houston Rockets are absolute losers of this trade deadline because they didn't make any sort of leeway as far as long-term uh, productivity. Yeah. If you look at their trade for James Harden, they essentially got Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, Dante Exum, four first-round picks, and five first-round pick pick swap so like you said present day it does not look good especially especially since we talked about it you could have had Karis LeVert who was under contract for two more years or you could have had Ben Simmons on your team right now so I mean have somewhat of a glimpse of light to the future or something but definitely it's it's bad for the Rockets right now another loser I'm gonna go with is the Celtics yes Evan Fournier who's a good addition a guy who last month he was actually averaging 25 a game off of 50 percent shooting so he's been playing amazing when he's been healthy and he's gonna kind of fill that void that they have that when they lost Gordon Hayward they're gonna have some guy like that but to compete with the top teams in the east they're still lacking that big man. We talked about him, them trading Daniel Thice, and I don't, I still don't think he was the answer. But I mean, you're really banking on Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams, which Robert Williams, if he can play like a certain amount of minutes over 35 minutes, I think heck, you guys will be fine. But I don't even know if he can do that. So it's going to be tough. And then obviously we talked about how Kemba Walker is not playing up the part this season, and they thought that you know losing Gordon Hayward, the, the slack would have been picked up uh, by Kemba Walker, but that was not the case. And that's why they went out and got Evan Fournier. So I do like the addition of Evan Fournier, but I just, the Celtics right now, a team that's been struggling all season long, this does not move the needle for me. And I still think they're not, they're not in contention for the Eastern conference as a top three teams, which is the Sixers, the Bucks and the Nets. And I, you could even say the Heat too, honestly. Exactly. Maybe exactly. You could even say the Heat right now. Like they, they better hope and pray that they can land somebody in the buyout market because if they don't get anybody, then yeah, this is a throwaway season, which is a shame because at the start of the year, I thought they were a, a, a team that could go all the way and win it, and it's just been really bad with the injuries to Marcus Smart and obviously Kemba not being there for most of the season, then him getting him back. And he's nowhere near the player he was in the bubble last year. So this, uh, the Celtics team, man, I feel like, and by the way, I feel like if they really underperform like first round exit, it's bye-bye to Brad Stevens. I think he's, he's, he, he, he might be out of there. And, you and know. that's really unfortunate to say, because he's been, a guy who a lot of people has been telling me like he's such a good coach and I feel like he is a good coach and, and I, he's shown his resume speaks for itself being able to get a team like Butler to 
the uh, the championship with Gordon Hayward back then and being able to, you know, show what he can do in college and show what he can do in the NBA. But he just has not yet been able to get a team like the Celtics to the NBA finals. And I mean, I feel like if he had at least had one maybe appearance that might justify this lackluster season, but he hasn't even gotten to the finals, Kush. And I feel this like, is... you know, yes, that, that's not all on his shoulders. I mean, yeah, it is the players too, but the amount of players and the amount of talent he's had, it's like, yo, something's got, something is not working here. And I'm like, if it's not the play, we can't get rid of all the players. So, I mean, it's going to fall on the head of the coach. So, I mean, hey, if they, if they got to go the route of getting rid of the coach, I mean, that would suck. But like I said, it's, 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 it's something that at this point I wouldn't be shocked if Danny Ainge and uh, Celtics front office pull a, just go ahead and do that uh, come the offseason if, like I said, a first-round exit or worse. Yeah, it, it's honestly kind of crazy to me the amount of similarities that the Celtics and the Clippers have because I feel like Brad Stevens, same thing with Doc Rivers, you know, great coach but underperformed, and it was finally time to cut ties and let him go. So it, it'll be interesting for the Celtics. But one name in trade deadline that has was brewing and when was one of the bigger names in trade deadline that actually did not move was Kyle Lowry. He did not get traded to the, uh, from the Raptors. A lot of rumors swirling around the, the heat, the 76ers, the Lakers. I mean, all contending teams right there, but he did not move. And you even saw it like they got rid of Matt Thomas. They got rid of Terrence Davis. They were basically, it seemed like they were making room to add players from a Kyle Lowry trade or add, you know, uh, cap space for a Kyle Lowry trade, but it never ensued and he stays put in the Raptors. So now, I mean, there's options for Kyle Lowry because he's an expiring contract. He's going to be hitting free agency. So, I mean, they can go with the sign and trade this offseason and trade him to a contender. Or, I mean, this is a little far-fetched, but I think there is a slight possibility that Lowry requests a buyout because, I mean, I doubt it happens, but if Lowry wants to contend this season and really wants to, like, ASAP, he can do this. He can basically say, I'm kind of done with the the Raptors, which I think Lowry isn't that type of guy to basically say that just because of what the Raptors have done for him. So I I don't see this happening, but it is a possibility if he's just like, I want to contend this season. And he does get a buyout and go to a contending team, but that's unlikely to happen. So that's why I'm thinking a sign and trade this offseason to a contending team is the, the future. What's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I don't want to say necessarily surprised just because I saw so many Laker fans that were saying like trade for Lauer, trade for Lauer. But I'm like, why would I give up uh, a, a, a Taylor Horton Tucker or, you know, any of the guys that I got? especially right now when I have no LeBron and no AD. So I'm like, why would I trade for Kyle Lowry right now? I think that the package no that the package that the Lakers were offering was Dennis Schroeder and KCP, but yeah, the, the, nah, the, the deal the, breaker the Raptors, for the Raptors was, yeah, the deal breaker for the Raptors was uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, but exactly. The and they didn't want to do that. And I don't, bl- and for all the people out there that was saying like, just go ahead and throw that dude in there. I'm like, do you not, have you not seen the, yeah. the, the level of play that he's provided that the, the amount of minutes that he's provided, he reminds me of like, not even like uh, he has like some similarities to the impact that Shannon Brown had back in the day. Like, I'm not saying he plays like Shannon Brown, but the impact of how he comes in and he just does what he has to do. You know what I mean? Like he just plays his role to a T. He provides great energy. And he, if the fans were in the stands, he would be getting people off their seats. That's for sure. But ultimately, and then you look at the other team that was involved in the heat. And I understand perfectly why I didn't want to trade uh, for Kyle Lauer because they wanted, 
they wanted Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, or Kendrick Nunn. And Pat Riley said, hell no. So once they, once that happened and once they, they said that, they shifted their focus to go ahead and get Victor Oladipo. And I absolutely think that that was the best thing that they could have done and still kept those guys on their roster. So, I mean, and then also Philadelphia were also mentioned in the trade talks, but I'm like, what could they have got given up that Toronto was looking to get back? There wasn't really a whole lot that I felt like they had to give up. It wasn't like a key player on their team that Toronto would be saying, Oh yeah, we'll take him on. So ultimately the best thing that you probably could have hoped for is that they could have got a three team deal going and nothing metastasized. So um, I feel like it was, it was a, a bad thing that could have happened for Toronto, not being able to trade him, but I don't think that they have too many, like too, like they don't feel bad that they weren't able to get rid of him because like you said, because like Kyle Lowry was, has been like a huge staple and was the face. I know uh, Kawhi Leonard was the main, was one of the main reasons that got them over the hump, but Kyle Lowry, he was there when they were a laughing stock as far as, you know, and he was there to help them become a, a, a legitimate playoff team. He became, he was there when they became a legitimate championship contender and he was there when he, they ended up ultimately winning the nba finals so he was there at each stage of the process for the raptors and i know it's kind of like sad to at this point see that he's gonna you know eventually lead the team but at least they get to see how things play out for the rest of the season and keep you know get that i guess uh that the last few months of the season with him to see how things will play out but the last dance, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, edition. yeah, last dance, Kyle Lowry. So, but it's crazy that you know there were all these rumors that were swirling around, and it was on his this man's birthday. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was on his birthday, wondering like, am I about to have to get my bags packed to get ready to go to a new location? Because think man, of it as a birthday vacation. <laughs> for real. Ultimate. No, but I, I, it was crazy because once you saw that Oladipo trade going down with the Miami Heat, I think almost every Laker fan was like, "All right, we got Kyle Lowry; he's coming to LA," and then nothing uh, <laughs> yeah, transpired. Happened. So, but they, like you said, I mean, I think that the buyout market is the best way to go for a lot of these teams that are in the championship contender. I mean, don't even slip on the Nets; the Nets might be in the buyout market too. But I, which I, you know, don't heavily see them willing to pay guys a lot of money, but. I mean, the Lakers will definitely be in there for a lot of different dudes. Uh, the well, a lot of the a lot of buyout players they normally just take veteran minimums, which any exactly. team is allowed to take, exactly. even if they're so over I the salary like, cap. So I feel like you know, ultimately, the Lakers didn't need to make a trade. It would have been. I mean, Laker fans are like you know saying that they should have, but it would. I feel like it would have been cool if they did. But why give up what you have in a solid chemistry for a guy who is aging is not the same player that he was and by the way it's only one season rental he's here and then he'll be gone so I'm like why sacrifice that when you already are trying to go for the repeat and you got two of your key players two of your best players down for with injuries I'm like yo I would just wait it out wait to see what LeBron looks like in a few weeks time when he comes back wait to see what AD looks like when he comes back and then ultimately try to see what you can get on the buyout market because that's the way to go I feel like if you're in this position of the Lakers or any other uh, main uh, championship contender uh, that are in the same position yeah we'll get into the Lakers in a little bit but since you're talking about the buyout market let's talk about two names that are the biggest names in the buyout market and that is LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond LaMarcus Aldridge we touched on him a little bit last episode but him and the Spurs have already come to an agreement to a buyout so currently 
Aldridge is a free agent and Miami and Portland are the favorite to land him. So that'll be interesting. And then Andre Drummond's still awaiting a buyout from the Cavaliers. And uh, there's a lot of suitors for him. My, my personal favorite is the Mavericks, which I think he would fit perfectly with but a lot of uh reports are saying the knicks have, have emerged as a favorite mm. just because they've been rumored to give him a long-term contract mm. in the buyout market which like i said a lot of teams that are contending will literally just give them a veteran minimum have them play for a season and contend but i mean if andre drummond can secure the bag he might just chase and that in a bag. major city like new york i mean exactly damn, that would be huge yeah um which was actually surprising because i mean they saw mitchell robinson a very young good center but no i'm like it feels like mitchell robertson has been like the outcast of like this him and uh rj barrett of this nick of this knicks team that are this know, season yeah this season well, i think like, that's RJ just because has been playing well but no one's really been talking about well, i think him. that's mitchell just julius randall exactly all-star julius randall and well, Emmanuel quickly too. He's been getting a lot of love. Exactly, the rookie's been playing well too. Yeah, but it's just like RJ Barrett. No one's talking about him, and yeah. no one's talking about you know. Mitchell and RJ Barrett is having a bounce back season because his he rookie is. season was disappointing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for Andre Drummond, I mean, you still have contending teams like the Lakers and Nets that could be getting him. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Lamarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond's in the days coming. Because I mean, hey, by the time this episode comes out. We, they may already be bought out and signed. So, we, <laughs> yeah. But since we were talking about the Lakers, we had crazy, crazy news that LeBron James got injured. It was a high ankle sprain. He everted his ankle. Normally, an ankle sprain is an inversion ankle sprain. So, this was an eversion and it was very, very bad. And it's reports that he will miss four to six weeks. And then you already have Anthony Davis, who's out for another three to four weeks, who's been out for already over a month. And I mean, without those two guys, they've been two and oh since their injury, or sorry, oh and two since their injuries, oh and three if you want to include the Hawks game where LeBron got injured. But those oh and two games that they, the two that they lost, they each lost by 17 points. So are the Lakers in trouble? Should they be concerned about their playoff hopes? Because currently they're fourth in the West right now, but the 10 seeded Warriors, it's only a six game difference between the fourth and the 10th seed. So, and if you look at their schedule, they have the Bucks, the Clippers, the Heat, the Nets, the Knicks, the Hornets, the Celtics, the Jazz twice, the Mavericks <laughs> twice, and that's just in the next month. So, and I'm pretty sure that those that those two guys are going to miss at least three to four weeks. So they're going to be missing all those games. And then on top of that, I didn't mention they also have the Cavs that they're going to play, the Raptors, the Kings, and the Magic twice. So teams that they can still lose given their situation, but those are a little more of the easier games. But I mean, what Bucks? Clippers, Heat, Nets, Knicks, Hornets, Celtics, Jazz twice, Mavericks twice. That's that's eleven games right there against playoff teams. So, are the are the Lakers in trouble? Are their play playoff hopes on the line? I feel like it's not that the playoff hopes are on the line. I feel like this is the this is going to show the also importance and also the Achilles heel of having LeBron James on your team because. Any team, I feel like, would love to have LeBron James on their roster because he is such a player that he will take a team in a situation that you have budding potential and you have a lot of guys that can, and you're a contender, and he can maybe elevate you into a, a, a championship level team. But the downfall is, is that you have to literally build a team around LeBron James. And once he's gone, 
the team, look at the Cavaliers. Once LeBron James left the Cavaliers, not once, but twice, they crumbled and they were not the same team because he literally makes himself the centerpiece of the team. And then everybody else is just, you know, supposed to just surround themselves and it's his system. And once he's out of it, nothing, nothing's able to fall into place. But I would say the important thing for the Lakers is the fact that they still have a Dennis Schroeder is the fact that they still have uh, a Kyle Kuzma, which I know people probably laughing right now, like Kyle Kuzma, what? But Kyle Kuzma is a streaky player, man. He can get hot and go crazy from off uh, from the offensive end. And I feel like they have a lot of different veteran players, but the only thing is like the grind of it all is going to be tough. So there's going to be a lot of games where they just get their heads just stomped the freak in. And there's going to be a lot of lopsided games in these next few weeks. Uh, if the Lakers are playing a, a lot of good teams, but ultimately I feel like this is not going to be a drastic um, fall from grace for LA. I feel like they will still be in playoff in the playoffs contention when LeBron and AD come back. But to say that they'll be necessarily a, they might, I would say they'll be hovering between five and six when AD and LeBron come back. I, wow. I feel like it might be like that might, it might be that type of fall off for them. Even given this, there's only a six game difference between, because within, okay, let's see, the fourth seed between, to the eight seed, that's only a five and a half game difference right there. And then the six and a half game difference for, or sorry, a six game difference for the 10th seed. So I think that's, in a span of three to four weeks, there's a lot of games. There's probably, yeah, I want to yeah. say, at least like 10 to 15 games being played yeah. in that span. So I feel and like it, they'll, seeing they'll, that they've lost the two games without them by 17 points, I definitely think the Lakers are in trouble. This might, I mean, a lot of people are going to come at my head for this, but <laughs> there's a chance they miss the playoffs. There is a small chance that they miss the playoffs, and I could see it happening. Call me crazy. But, I mean, you have two – especially LeBron, who's – like, Anthony Davis, he's an amazing, mm-hmm. amazing player, mm-hmm. top 10. They were still hanging down. in there with LeBron. That's what I'm saying. Anthony Davis, top 10 player, without a doubt. But who's to say they win those games, even with Anthony Davis, when they go up against the Bucks, they go up against the Clippers, they go up against, you know, the Nets, guys that have star power, that only one star is not going to get it done. So I, I think that their playoff chances, they, they still could make it, but they're definitely, I think they're going to finish bottom three seed in the Western Conference given these injuries, which I would be. It also will depend on what they do as far as the buyout market. If they are able to secure a true something like that, then I feel like that's why I, I'm kind of leaning towards that. They'll get somebody in that will be able to keep them at a at a staple point where it won't be such a humongous fall off from grace but like i i said i feel like fifth six is where i feel like them being at but like you i mean it could even it could be bad it could be bad because like like i just said like when teams have lebron james on their squad you have to build around him but now once he's gone how does the team is the team still able to uh, even somewhat function uh, accordingly without him but we'll right. see we'll see yeah it's almost I mean, like it's almost like space jam to be honest with you like <laughs> when you take when you take lebron out of the out of the team everybody acts like they don't have any sort of basketball skills or capabilities i mean i think the only two big names on the buyout market that could help them is aldridge and drummond which drummond i think is a possibility like i said aldridge i i don't see him coming to the lakers but i mean 
they the Lakers would definitely be beneficiaries of the playing tournament. So, I mean, even if they do get that 10 seed, you get LeBron and AD back, they still make the playoffs. But then they run into a team like the Jazz, the Clippers, Ooh. the Nuggets. So <laughs> it's definitely going to be tough for the, the Lakers uh, in the first round. It's not going to be as, I wouldn't say easy, but I, it's not going to be as easy as it was uh, last year in the bubble, their, their route to the playoffs. So, I mean, the route to their finals, but... I mean, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what how the Lakers do with these two guys out for an extended period of time. And because LeBron is out, the MVP race has completely shaken up. We talked about LeBron being injured, but we also have Joel Embiid, who had a scary knee injury as well. He hyperextended his knee, and he's going to be uh, sidelined for two to three weeks. He had no structural damage, which is good, so all his ligaments and um and cartilage are intact but this injury also did happen two weeks ago so he could be coming back within the week or so so Joel Embiid he was the favorite before this injury but the Sixers have gone five and one without him so far so I mean (laughs) who's your favorite to win MVP right now with the LeBron and the Embiid injuries Jokic Jokic I mean (laughs) Jokic I feel like uh he's playing at MVP caliber level um I would say Maybe could there be someone said this on Twitter? Is there a possibility at all with LeBron and uh and B down that <laughs> that Rudy Gobert, <laughs> that Rudy it. Gobert, she says the MVP candidate. I mean, he's getting <laughs> like, paid like one, I'll say that. You know, but I'm like, you know, I would say more so Jokic just because of how much he plays a role on the facilitating on uh the scoring and he pretty much is for a large point like he makes like what they do go like if he if he's not playing well a, a lot of the time it, like their team does not look the same but um I, I would say that he he's the best guy if you take out LeBron and Embiid that would be the front runner for MVP for me yeah, Vegas definitely has him as a favorite since uh, those two guys went down. But if you look at Jokic leading his team in points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game, steals per game, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage. So, I mean, he's literally doing it all. Only thing is blocks per game, which he isn't leading. But, I mean, other than that, he's literally doing it all for this Nuggets team who's uh, sitting, I believe, at number five or six right now in the Western Conference. But, I mean, you also have a guy like James Harden who's been getting it done, playing at an MVP caliber level. <laughs> Quietly when, playing yeah. at an MVP level. That's the funny thing. Exactly. So, out of East, you have Harden without KD, who's missed a crazy amount of time. And then Kyrie, whenever he decides to play, he plays. No, I'm just kidding. But he does have his personal reasons why he doesn't play some of the games. So, I mean, and Harden's been basically carrying this team uh, and going to make him go to the playoffs. So, I mean, you have Harden then. Out east again, you have Giannis, who is literally on a tear. The Bucks have won. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The only thing is going to be voter fatigue. That's that's the reason why he wouldn't win it because he could put up hell of a numbers. Because if you put up his numbers alongside his MVP seasons, they're damn near the same. Same. They're damn near the same. But it's going to be voter fatigue. That's why I don't see him winning it, even if they finish out number one. What about uh, Embiid's teammate and Ben Simmons? Maybe he's Mm. a little dark horse there. Cause like you said, they've been five and one since Embiid's been out, and he's yeah. But I think I think to more than Ben Simmons is Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris mm. has been hooping for mm-hmm. the Sixers, and that's not a knock against Ben Simmons because nah, he's not at all. he's been a hell of a player on both sides of the uh, ball. But Tobias Harris is 
needs to get a lot more love than he's getting right now. So Audi's like he's kind of like been faded off into the shadows, unless you're like obviously like a hardcore Sixer fan or something like that. But as far as nationally, uh, and 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 as far as like the grand scope of things with the NBA uh, and NBA Twitter, uh, Tobias Harris doesn't get a whole lot of uh, love and doesn't get Mm-mm. spoken about just because of the team he's on. Because mm-hmm. everybody knows about him, everybody knows about Simmons, but they they just. You know, you just forget that Tobias Harris. Is and just he's not flashy. There. He's not going to drop 40 exactly. points a game, but he exactly. will consistently give exactly. you 25 a game. So that's why. And then, so I think those are the two guys out East. And then with the Western Conference, I'm with you with the Jokic. But I kind of want to say Damian Lillard. I know you talked about in preseason what he's been able to do without CJ McCollum and Nurkic. I definitely doubted the hell out of him and the mm-hmm. Trailblazers. So I will, mm-hmm. I will attest that I did. I was a doubter, it's okay. and they're sitting at number five it's, right now okay. in the Western Conference. I messed Conference. around and did the same thing a little bit here and there, but I'm like, after what I saw him do first round in the bubble, after what I saw him do to OKC, I'm like, bro, like Damian Lillard has just continuously been that dude, and he's and he is not surprisingly going to be in that conversation as far as MVP. And one other guy I would probably say is maybe Chris Paul, the impact he had as far as the Phoenix Suns. That would probably be like a big, big, big dark horse, though. The numbers aren't going to be eye-popping. Exactly. The numbers are not. that. Even when he got voted an All-Star, uh, everybody was kind of thinking like, what? But his impact, yeah. though, is crazy. Right. 100%. The fact that this team is not only in the postseason, but are vying for a potential top spot in the in the West. Who had that at the start of yeah. the season? I didn't. I did not have them as the top spot in the West. Nah, bro. So who I'm going to go with for MVP, you went with Jokic. I'm going to give it to whichever team ends up in the top four seat. So if that's the Nuggets, Jokic is going to win. If it's the Trailblazers, Lillard's going to win. And if it's the Mavericks, I think Luka could definitely still win too. Because still, they're still there. They're still yeah, they're still there. there. It's, not out, they, it's not out of uh, reach. Yeah, they're only what? And crazy. like when like They're only four games back from the fourth seed right now. And it's wild because when the season first started, they were they were having struggles. It didn't Big even look time. like they were about to make the playoffs. But Porzingis is he's gotten back on track, so that's definitely helped him. But yeah, I think it's gonna go to one of those Western Conference teams out of those three teams, whichever ends up with a top four seed. Because I do see the Lakers dropping out of those that top four seed. Speaking on injuries, we have Lamelo Ball getting injured in the game against the Clippers, <sighs> fractured his wrist. Had surgery on it, and he will be reevaluated in four weeks, which doesn't mean he's coming back in four weeks. It means they're gonna see where he's at. So, I think he was a he he impacted this team so much when he was inserted into the starting lineup, and he was a clear cut rookie of the year front runner when he was healthy. But now there's we got bigger questions. First off, are the Hornets still making the playoffs? Because they're <laughs> sitting they're fourth in the Eastern Conference, but the 10 seeded Bulls are only three games behind them. So it's that fourth through 10 seed, that gap is very, very tiny. It is very close. Um, and then also rookie of the year, we'll talk about that too, whether we still think he's gonna win it or if there's other guys that are gonna win it. So let's talk about the Hornets in the playoffs first. You still see the Hornets making the playoffs? I think they'll have to go through the play-in route. You know what I mean? They have to be involved in that playing tournament because because I feel like Lamelo's impact and it's everybody talks about the fact that you know if you want to look at scoring, you can look at scoring. You want to look at the flashy passes. It was just to me the belief in the. It felt fun watching that Hornets team again. Like it felt like wow, this has not been with this team for a while. <laughs> but uh, I felt like he brought just a difference like a, a newness of life for them. And I feel like they, they just were riding so high that 
you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I really haven't been paying attention to the standings a whole lot. And so when you said they were fourth, I was like, wait, what, what, what are you talking about? But nah, like the Hornets really been out here, you know, surprising the hell out of me, but man, the drop off that they're about to have, I feel like it's going to be intense because how do you duplicate that? I mean, they try to make a little move in the uh, before the trade deadline by picking up uh, Brad Wanamaker from the Warriors. Come on now, but something, <laughs> yeah, like I said, like, I mean, come there, on. Now. There was a reason why we didn't mention that in one of the <laughs> trades in the beginning of the episode. Hey, but I'm just saying they did that so that way you know Terry Rozier will obviously go back to starting, and Brad Wanamaker will come off the bench. But at the same time, like damn, like to go from Lamelo Ball to Brad Wanamaker, no disrespect, Stop no it. disrespect, no disrespect, but damn. That's tough. Damn, so you're going to say Brad Wanamaker? You got to give at least – because I, I think, like you said, they're going to make the playoffs, but within the playing tournament, because that's still – because they have Devontae Graham. I'm not saying they won't make it. I'm just saying that they'll fall into the playing tournament. They can right, still but, make I, it, but, I but I'm saying I'm gonna... saying you're not even giving any love to Devontae Graham. The guy yeah, was yeah, the most Devontae improved Graham. candidate last year. Of course, yeah, yeah. But my thing is just like I feel like they're – like Lamelo was like a big high energy guy, and I just don't know if anybody can match his energy. I don't know. No, if yeah, it, there that can like that. That's because he did a lot of stuff that I didn't think he was a uh, that was even in his personality type. Because I felt like he was just like a guy who's just too cool that wants to you know make the flashy flashy play, but doesn't want to do the the dirty work like diving on the floor, jumping into the you know crowd for a loose ball, or you know playing good defense, you know trying to make sure that you we secure the rebound in a close game, you know all that stuff that is just like you know fundamental, fundamental, fundamental that guys who are role players more so try to make their bag off of. But hey. Credit to LaMelo, man. I mean, he was playing well up until his injury. My hope is that when he comes back from injury, he'll play even better and he'll even uh, start to to hit that superstardom that, you know, a lot of people start said that he had uh, going into the draft. So I feel like the, the Hornets are still going to be in playoff contention, but I think they fall into the playing tournament just because I feel like there is going to be a bit of a unsteadiness amongst their uh, – they're, they're not in locker room, but just amongst the, their, their rotations. Yeah. I mean, they, I, I, even if they do fall in the play in tournament, I think LaMelo hopefully will be back and he can help them get the uh, eighth or seventh seed. And I would definitely love to see the rookie get some playoff action in his first season. That'd that'll be, be yeah, that'll definitely be fun to watch. But I mean, like I said, that three through 10 seed is, I mean, four through 10 seed is damn close because the top three seeds, they're in a league of their own because I think it's a seven game difference between the third and fourth seeds. So it's pretty crazy. But let's talk about rookie of the year because LaMelo was a clear cut rookie of the year before he got injured. Now, if he's going to miss over a month, is he still going to win that rookie of the year? Or, I mean, guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton Anthony yeah. Edwards. I mean, those are the two guys that I could really see beating LaMelo out yeah. for rookie of the year. You look at Tyrese Halliburton, 13 points per game, three and a half rebounds, five assists on 48, 42, 87 shooting splits. So he's been real efficient as a rookie. And he has the Kings at the 12th uh, seed in the Western Conference at 19 and 25. And then Anthony Edwards, he's... He looks like he's found his footing in the NBA. He looks like he's really figured out the game, averaging 17 a game, four rebounds a game, two and a half assists. His efficiency isn't as great, 39-32-78. And the Timberwolves are 15th in the yeah, West exactly. with 10-34, and 34, worst record in the league. But, hey, I mean, his rookie season, he already had a 42-point game. So, I mean, Anthony yeah, Edwards is like really hooping. The, the thing that changed uh, – because at first I, 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 I was kind of – 
indifferent about like because I was like, man, this is the dude who went number one. But when he had that dunk, I feel like that's what like kind of made me go like, okay, Utah. okay, okay. I felt like that was like, all right, all right. I see why Minnesota went ahead and picked this dude number one. And ever since then, he's been playing crazy. Like he's yeah. been showing me like, okay, yeah, this dude's a number one overall type guy. And so, um, yeah, like you said, Halliburton and uh, and him are like the front runners to maybe steal it off. But it's just dependent on whether or not because. To me, I, I feel like what LaMelo did first half and the little bit of second half that he played is good enough to justify him being uh, given the rookie of the year. Now, I, 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 one of the things that I feel like a lot of people are going to, to get caught up in is whether or not, you know, if Halliburton just starts going crazy or, uh, or, or they start just averaging like crazy numbers, then, I mean, that might be the one thing that might take it off of him, but... I feel like LaMelo did pretty much everything. And the fact that the Hornets, where they were in the standings, I think that's going to be another thing that causes voters to want to give it to LaMelo Ball. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting down the Which stretch to see. Which is the rookie of the year that I said and voted for yes, the, at the top of the season before the season started. I was like, yo, I got to give it to LaMelo. I mean, mine still hasn't played a single freaking game in the NBA <laughs> this season, so... I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my L's, but I'm gonna take uh very lightly because we haven't seen what he's capable like, of. That's true. I mean, he could very well. And they just traded be... Delon Wright, so I mean, they're yeah. they're making space for him because he's gonna be coming back in about a week or two. So right. it'll be interesting so, I mean, to see. Who knows? This dude might average forty, get the rookie of the year. I, I don't know about all that. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> And then to wrap out the NBA, I just wanted to say one thing, and that is that Blake Griffin made his debut for the Nets. And what do you know? The very first point as a net was a dunk, which he had a dunk since 2019. And I came out on this pod and I said that it wasn't the correct game because I didn't know he was going to sit out for two weeks after getting, <laughs> you know, bought out by them. But that's typical Blake Griffin shit right there. But I mean, yes, yeah, first two points as a net was a dunk and it was pretty sick dunk, too. It wasn't like a little, you know, yeah. just a little little gimme dunk. It was actually a nice one. So Blake Griffin's back. We'll see if he can yeah, help. He this. got his legs back. Yeah, we'll see, uh, I, I know every Pistons fan that I saw on my Twitter feed were livid. They were literally cursing this <laughs> dude out, saying, like, really, really bad. <laughs> so, I mean, it's hey, gonna be, always, it's, hey, hey, when you had a job that you hate, you don't put your best effort in. You put, you put that minimal to average effort in. But when you had a job that you know you love and you know you care about, you put an all-out effort in. So Blake's like, yo, I'm putting all-out effort so I can finally get me a championship ring. You damn right I'm about to dunk this ball. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how when the Nets can finally get healthy and all come back together, how they're going to look. Let's stick on the subject of basketball to round out this episode and talk about a little bit of March Madness because, man, those first two rounds, round of 64 and round of 32, upset Central left and right. And I guess that's why they call it March Madness. Am I right? This is the first time that four teams seeded 13 through 15 won their round of 64 matchups insane and then obviously we have oral roberts a 15th seeded team beating ohio state and now they're in the sweet 16 the only other 15 seeds to ever make the sweet 16 is 2013 
Florida Gulf Coast University, baby. So it's been a crazy, crazy uh, March Madness so far. So many brackets are busted already. All of them are. All of them are gone. Yeah, and then we also had the Pac-12, which I knocked off the Pac-12 this season. They did not. They did not look good, but they are dominating this tournament. Look like the best conference in the entire NCAA. You still have Oregon, USC, UCLA, and Oregon State all in the round uh, or in the Sweet 16. Excuse me. And then Colorado also made it past the first round, but they lost in the round of 32. So I mean. Pac-12 dominating, but SC and Oregon are going up against each other in the Sweet 16. So first of all, before we get into the Sweet 16, what are your thoughts on March Madness so far? Uh, March Madness has definitely lived up to the hype. I mean, like you said, this has been some of the most like crazy upsets that a lot of people didn't predict. Like uh, like North Texas were able to win a game. I didn't see that happening at all. And uh, the fact that Oral Roberts has definitely stole the show here and they've been that team that I think nobody whatsoever. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, I was watching ESPN one day and uh, they were talking about how like nobody at ESPN who filled out a bracket <laughs> thought Oral Roberts would get past Ohio State. They were, they were plus 900 in Vegas. Exactly, so literally exactly. you put, you put a little bucks money down. <laughs> yeah. You which actually, it. which I, I know some people that did and they got oh, paid out. So yeah, <laughs> it's funny, so, but. But yeah, Oral Roberts definitely has stolen the show as far as being that, uh, that Cinderella team that you, and the crazy thing is like, they had the leading scorer in the nation and he's definitely not only put himself on the map, but he's definitely put Oral Roberts. And it's like, that's what I love about March Madness is that these schools that you never heard of, these schools that aren't typically like known for basketball, get put on the map for these sort of scenarios because you make the tournament, you have an upset, you have two upsets. Now people are going to be talking about Oral Roberts for at least the next few you know, years or so because of these, uh, these wins. You know, it's the same thing with Davidson, with Steph Curry, when he had his performance. I mean, like certain schools, they just have like these crazy runs in the tournament and that just puts you on the map. And that's great for the school. That's great for the players. That's great for, you know, everybody that's involved, because now more people are going to start looking at your school, potentially try to go there. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, talking about Oral Roberts, a guard that's leading the league, I'm getting a lot of Kay Felder vibes from him. I don't know if you all remember <laughs> Kay Felder's leading the league sure. in points and assists at only what was he like he's like five nine yes (laughs) crazy crazy but yeah oral roberts been looking good um but let's get into the sweet 16 matchups they start this saturday first game we have oregon state versus loyola chicago who you got this game i'm gonna give i'm gonna gonna ride with sister jean and loyola because bro like it just feels like loyola are a team that is bound for the elite eight i I don't know why but Two years ago, they were in the tournament and they went on a crazy run. And I feel like they got that same sort of vibe going on with them. It's not to disrespect Oregon State, absolutely great season for them. But I feel like they're coming up against a team that is going to be able to slow the game down when they need to, speed the game up when they need to, and get buckets when they need to. They have different ways they can beat you outside, inside. And I feel like Loyola, Chicago, uh, the Wolfpack, going to move on to that Elite Eight. I mean, you talking about Loyola Chicago, Derek, this this little run of theirs is going to help them in the long run. You have so many recruits looking at this and they're going to want to come to Loyola Chicago. And I think they're going to be a powerhouse in their conference over Drake and Missouri State. So it'll definitely be interesting um, to see this game. But man, 
every time they're playing, all you see on the timeline is Sister Jean, Sister, Sister Jean, Jean, yeah, Sister yeah, Jean. Me, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's like, always on there, and I'm just yo, like, and, and what's crazy is she gave like a game plan of uh, how they were gonna uh, win uh, their round of 32 game, and they did exactly what she said. They Sister Jean like, knows her yo. shit. <laughs> Oh, she knows hoops. She knows hoops. Yeah, so we have both of us have loyal Chicago. Let's talk about the next game, Villanova versus Baylor. One of the more intense games this round. Who you got? Well, I think I know who you have, but oh, I gotta go with Baylor. Baylor for me, they're they're the team that's making the championship. Yeah, I feel like I gotta stick with that. I, the 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 only thing that concerns me is late game situa- situation. Jay Wright and Villanova, they know how to win late games and they know how to beat you with the X's and the O's. So I feel like Baylor, if they get caught in the shootout and it comes down to rebounds and it comes down to free throws, that's what's going to scare me about this game. But I feel like Baylor, I'm going to take them. They have been holding it down for me and I feel like they are still a team, a team that's capable of not only getting to the final four, but I got them going all the way. And they're going to the Natty Shono Champion Sheep. Yeah, I think I have him in the Natty as well, too. But I yeah, I have Baylor pretty much. I think it's gonna be one of the closer games of the of the round. But yeah, Baylor. Next up we have Oral Roberts, since we were talking about them against Arkansas. Who do you have? Um I, I feel like Oral Roberts are, are not yet done dancing. I feel like they're going to beat Arkansas, man. I feel like they're going to the Elite Eight because the only thing that concerns me about Arkansas is they've gone on so many – they've had so many bad starts to games where mm-hmm. they've been trailing. And this is not the team to have a bad start mm-hmm. and be trailing to because you can look up and be down by 20, and that's a that's a tough mountain to climb. But, I mean, they've been able to make some crazy comebacks, and they've been able to – you know, have great spurts of their own. They uh, got this dude Moody on their team. He's a, a potential uh, lottery pick in the upcoming draft. And I feel like there's been so many times where they look to him so much to get them a bucket, but outside of him, sometimes they don't know what to do. And I feel like they have to really be on that defensive grind like that, like they've been on throughout their entire run this season. But uh, if they don't lock up, <laughs> if they don't lock up this cat, man, they, they're going to get crazy flamed up. And I feel like Oral Roberts, man, they, they're, they're a top scoring team in the nation. And they're going to yet again show you exactly that. And they're going to put up crazy points here. I think Oral Roberts keeps dancing as well, too. I think they come up with their third upset and they beat Arkansas. Just because what you said, like Arkansas has not been convincing this entire tournament. I mean, they almost lost round one. So it, it was it was interesting. And I got Oral Roberts. Next game, Syracuse versus Houston. Who do you have? Now, my heart wants to pick Syracuse just because, you know, Jim Beheim and his son. Buddy. Uh, Buddy's been uh, hooping. Beheim, yeah, they've been, you know, a nice little father-son tandem. But I don't know, man. I feel like Houston is going to be a tough test for them here. I got to go with uh, Houston. I think that they're a team that not too many people have been talking about throughout this entire March Madness tournament. And I feel like they're they're going to be a tough team for Syracuse to get past. And I think that uh, Houston is going to move on to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I'm same thing. I want to pick Q's. But I really do. But I think great story too. I think Houston's gonna do it. And then next we have Creighton versus Gonzaga. Pretty sure you already know what I'm gonna go with. Gonzaga here, yeah. Gonzaga. I'm surprised Creighton actually made it through because they could have easily lost to Santa Barbara. I had Santa Barbara beating them in the first. I mean, it was close. It it was close. So close. Yeah, I think a lot of people had Santa Barbara winning that one just because 
what Creighton, what they've been struggling, and they cannot be struggling against a team like Gonzaga, especially if Creighton. That has just been on an absolute that be, tear. That would be crazy if Creighton knocked off uh, Gonzaga and Gonzaga didn't even get to the Elite Eight. I mean, I feel everybody has Gonzaga instantly penciled in as a Final Four championship, national championship team. And if they couldn't even get to the Elite Eight, that would be that'd be amazing to me. That would be the uh, considerably one of the, the highlight moments of this March Madness. And it'd be fitting if this was like, you know, you know, going to be a crazy year in March Madness <laughs> that Gonzaga wouldn't even make it that far. But hey, I, nah, I feel like the Zags, too big, too strong, got so much depth and so many guys that can put the ball in the basket. If somebody's struggling, then somebody else steps up. And I'm just curious to see if, if Creighton are going to be able to hang, how long Creighton are going to be able to hang in there. Yeah. Zaga has too many weapons, too much firepower. Next up, we have Florida State University versus Michigan. Who do you have? Uh, I want to go Michigan here. And I, I feel like I am going to go Michigan here. I'm going to go like as the only one of the only teams still representing the Big Ten. <laughs> Michigan holding it down for him because it's been a tough tournament for the Big Ten teams. But overall, I feel like um, the only thing they have to make sure that they do is rebound. They have to rebound because Florida State notoriously known for their bigs, notoriously known for getting rebounds and getting out and running out. So they have to be on point as far as defense. They have to make sure the shots are falling. And they have to make sure that they they just don't sell. <laughs> they don't sell late in the game because it's gonna come down to a late game possession. Gonna come down to that last you know minute or two and a half minutes or so where the thing where the game's gonna get close. And you know you're gonna have to play tight defense. So I feel like Wolverines are gonna win in a close tight shootout. But ultimately they're gonna go to the next round. I actually have Florida State winning this game. I think. I mean, only two more ACC teams left. I think they move on and they beat Michigan. It's going to be interesting, but I think Anthony Polite, he he gets the job done for them because he's been looking good so far this tournament. Yeah. Next up, we have UCLA versus Alabama. What team you got? Once again, my heart wants to pick UCLA just because of what Mick Cronin and the Bruins have been doing. The fact that uh, they are even in this uh sweet 16 after they were in the first four by the way so they had to play an extra game beyond the games that everybody else has played like they're i think they're the only first four team that's here so uh ucla man they they've gone on a really crazy run but i think it ends against alabama alabama man they're a really strong sec team they you know got a nice they got good solid guard play man and i feel like that's going to be a really tough thing that ucla is going to have to come up against if ucla i'll say this though if ucla hangs close and if they keep this like a one possession game like and it's like a minute or so going down the stretch i wouldn't be shocked if the bruins get the upset here but i'm gonna go with alabama to win a close one i gotta rock with alabama uh i have them actually in the final four so and I mean Javon Quinterly, man. Exactly. Jelly Fam. So nice. Jelly Fam. Yeah. Dude it is nice, bro. Yeah. I mean, that's why I have Alabama winning it. I mean, he almost had a triple double off the bench last game. So dude is nice, bro. Yeah, he really is. Um and, and it's and it's crazy to transfer exactly. Like, exactly. Like, I was just about to say that it's crazy to think freshman, that. But I'm like, bro, he's a transfer. Yeah, he was not getting any love at Nova just because, I mean, they're so stacked all the time. So stacked with guards, yeah. Yeah, but that's why I, I was glad he transferred to kind of finally put his talents on display, but he he's a beast. Last game we have in the Sweet 16, Oregon versus SC, I think along with Villanova versus Baylor. This game is going to be very fun to watch. Which team do you have winning? 
I'm going to go with SC, man. You can call me a biased person here, but, hey, it is what it is. I love those Mobley brothers, man. Those dudes are absolutely a nice one-two punch. The fact that it's not just one of them, it's both of them playing well right now. And I feel like in order to beat a team like Oregon, both of them have to have big games here. Like if neither, if, if only one of them shows up, they, they're going to have a really bad game. But I feel like if SC has been riding through both of these guys, I feel like they're both going to show up. They're both going to have big nights. They're both going to have big games in Oregon, man. I feel like this is just going to be a tough test for them going up against the Trojans and they're just going to fall short. Man, I really want to pick my Oregon Ducks, but – it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. I definitely could see Oregon winning this game, but I can't bet against the Mobley brothers. But seeing what Oregon did to Iowa last round and how they literally locked just – up Garza, up. bro. No, they didn't, I wouldn't say they locked up Garza, but they just they came had out. Sp- not locked up because like, there's different forms of locked up for me. Like not, not locked up in the form that he couldn't get a shot or he had like a bad night. It's I was just like, like yeah, on it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, they frustrate the hell out of him, bro. They made him have to fight for every single point that he scored. So I'm like, yo, like that's that's tough. I think outside of Garza, though, literally nobody did anything. And exactly, Oregon just came out shooting. Oregon, yeah, they dropped 95 on Iowa. So I think Oregon, if Chris Dorde can basically do what he's been doing all season long, I could see this team beating SC because I think Oregon's guard plays better, but. I think SC, they're, they're twin towers down there with the Mobley <laughs> brothers. It's it's going to be tough to try to beat those two guys. Exactly. So that's why I got to rock with SC just because I do have him going to the Elite Eight in my bracket, so I'm going to stick with them. But sheesh, SC, I hate, I hate to bet against them. And like we said, March Madness is kind of crazy, and with that craziness, we have four double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16, Oral Roberts, Oregon State, Syracuse, and UCLA. Out of these four, we kind of talked about Oral Roberts, but do you think they have the best chance of moving on out of all four of these teams? I like their matchup. I feel like they match up a lot better with, or- with Arkansas than, um, you know, Oregon State going up against Loyola. That's going to we you know, that's going to be tough. Uh, you know, Syracuse matchup against Houston. Their reason, there's a reason that Houston's a number two seed. That's going to be a tough game. And UCLA going up against Bama, that's going to be tough for me. So I feel Oral Roberts has the best chance because – just how they match up against Arkansas. This is going to be a scoring type game. And we know that Oral Roberts can score. So I feel like they had the best opportunity to knock off a team in Arkansas who, like you said, Kush, almost lost their first game of this entire tournament. So they can go tandem and go blow for blow. It's just a matter of can they, you know, get a defensive stop. And, you know, if they get the lead and if it's a double digit lead, it's going to be tough for Arkansas to get back into it. Yeah, for sure. I think, like we said, Oral Roberts, but I really, um, my all eyes are on Syracuse because I really think that they can pull off this upset. I just feel like with Oral Roberts, they want to, so they kind of, they kind of have the hype train going on oh, them. Course, People course. are bandwagoning on them. I guess, I mean, I guess you could say we're bandwagoning them on them, but <laughs> that's course. why I think, I think they're not going to live up to expectations against Arkansas. They are, they have the favored matchup out of all of them. But I say the best chance, even though I do have Oral Roberts moving on, I I think Syracuse, I really think that they have a chance to upset Houston. I have Houston moving on, but sheesh, the Boheim duo. I mean, Buddy Buddy has really been hooping this tournament, so it's going to be tough to bet against him. 
that's gonna wrap it up for this extra extra long basketball episode with the we NBA. We had to give trade. y'all some love, man. Yeah, we really did. NBA trade deadline mayhem, and then you have March Madness. It was just a lot going on, and we had to cover it all because so much importance for NBA. And make sure y'all are tuning in next episode because we have some special guests joining us to talk about some Major League Baseball because season is starting next week. Kind of crazy to think about that. Mm-hmm. But Corey, any last words, my man? I'm so excited for March Madness. Can't wait to see what happens in the uh, Sweet 16. Who's moving on? Who's getting knocked out? Also in the NBA, excited to see what happens as far as the aftermath of the trade deadline. See what happens as far as, you know, uh, which teams are going to get, you know, be the winners of the buyout market and see which teams are going to have the best second half push as we head into the postseason push. So, I mean, we got a lot of things to cover, a lot of things going on, and I'm so excited to be all here for it. Yes, sir. And make sure y'all are following us on social media at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram, the nosebleeds and on Facebook. Search up the nosebleeds podcast, Apple podcasts and Spotify. We're on those. If you're on Apple podcasts, you know, if you like what you're hearing, shoot us a five star rating helps us out a lot. Write a review if you're feeling generous. But other than that, we'll catch y'all later. Deuces. Deuces.